0: is john hill and you've tuned into an agile mindset joining me today is someone i have had the privilege to coach and watch flourish with the scrum master mantle and she is continuously working with her team stacy Rippey, an application developer for over 20 years turned scrum master stacy how are you doing today
1: I'm doing very well, John. Thanks for inviting me.
0: well, thank you for joining. It's always a privilege and pleasure just even having a conversation with you um,
1: likewise
0: I know I was up there um in Ohio uh, I think what when we finished last year. We finished the coaching engagement last year, so I'm sure you've you guys have continued that same momentum. um I know Q was there. But um, I wanted to start the conversation off and ask you about your journey, about your journey from application developer to Scrum Master, you know. Okay. Looking back at that transition, what, what was it that drew you to become a Scrum Master?
1: That's a great question, John. <laughs> when one of the companies came to to visit, I was inspired by the scrum master role based on the introduction of it. My favorite part of the role is inspiring the team to be self-organized. It's not the same as a a project manager where they often have a different style. Um, I like this style of empowering people to think for themselves Mm -hmm. um, because they know what they're doing. And pulling their feedback and helping them get better is like the most rewarding part of the Scrum Master role. It, it, based on that experience, and so that's what really drew me to the role was that it was being a leader, a
0: positive leader. Mm. Now I, I do like the twist on that because uh, oftentimes people don't realize how even though you are a leader, you can bring negative vibes and influence negatively towards the teams. Correct. And some of the things that you kind of point out, I even kind of see in myself. You know, it's it is rewarding. Rewarding when you can inspire the teams and motivate them, and um, really draw out their best characteristics to kind of help them bond together and you know, work towards the calls. So,
1: exactly.
0: How long ago before you actually took the role?
1: Wow. I feel that went back to maybe, maybe 2017, okay. where it was introduced to me and lately talked about, and I kept sitting on it thinking, I need to look into this. And it was, end of 2018, I believe, where it was really coming into practice, where they did want to bring in the Scrum Master role. My my friend actually nudge he had to nudge me because after 20 years of coding you get pretty settled in that role and what you're doing and it feels really good because you're doing it every day and um I felt you know I felt scared of change (laughs) (laughs)
0: um
1: however he went into one of the manager's offices for the project that we were working on he spoke with her, told her I was interested. I was in her office the next day. <laughs> and so like she pretty much asked me the same questions as you, like what's inspiring me to make the change and to do this role? And, you know, um, what can I contribute to the program? And the next thing I knew, I was just, they within, it was within a week. They're like, yep, okay you've you've got it you'll be working for the team I was already on developing for mm-hmm. so there wasn't much drastic change there and uh, it's been interesting ever since
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so I, I think in some points what, what kind of helped you along was the fact that one you know you already were familiar with those team members. So yes. it was more of just transitioning from a role of application developer to Scrum master. Um, did how how did your team take to your new role?
1: Well, that's another great question. I I was a little bit concerned, and I did mention to the managers. Uh, that if my team was okay with me being the Scrum Master, since I was working with them as a developer, I would take it on. Otherwise, I wouldn't with the team. Uh, they were all okay with it, nobody had any concerns. So I was very blessed to have a, a team who was embracing a change for me. I thought that was pretty, pretty empowering.
0: I think it's hilarious how you think I'm asking good questions and I think that your response are even greater. Um, thanks. <laughs> but you no know, but seriously it's like when scrum masters are placed on team there isn't really a general hey team do you accept this scrum master. Right. But even to 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 really have that agile mindset to really Um, have that collaboration we talked about how much important how important trust is and if a team is not willing to receive a scrum master then it will be an uphill battle so it it was good I mean I I think you're you're probably the first scrum master I've ever talked to that went through that process to validate team do you accept me in this new role Wow.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because I can imagine if they had pushback, you know, I can imagine if they um, if they had difficulties receiving the change, it would have made your experience much more difficult.
1: Yeah, it probably would have. Um, I think like, the difficult part would be either choosing the part, the team or thinking that. Perhaps I have something to improve on uh, based on the team not wanting me in that role for them. So, um, it was, it was very humbling.
0: I think that you were definitely a good fit for that team. Um, so it's, it's again, like I said, it's, there are some aspects of your relationship with that team that I did not know. And I did not know that you had proceeded that way, but I'm, you know, it, it makes me even more, confident of the way that you carry yourself that you were the right fit to take on that scrum master role for this team. Became a scrum master of the team. Uh, You took the two-day course as a scrum master. What was that difference between, hey, this is what they taught in the two-day course versus this is what I'm actually doing? Or was there a difference of, of what you had thought your role was based you know, based on what the class has said versus what Mm -hmm. you actually did.
1: Let's see. Uh, the class pretty did a really good job of outlining exactly what's expected of a scrum master. Uh, and I tried to differentiate. So you know how they have the eight stances of a scrum master, Mm -hmm. um, I, I often have a little bit of a challenge trying to determine whether, you know, am I in teacher mode? Am I in coaching mode? <laughs> <Alrighty>. <laughs> when, when do you use the right stance, right?
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. so, and um, when to pull back and when to be more aggressive about them.
1: Exactly. Um, they did, they did coach us on that. So um, coaching through conflict encouraging collaboration. So I I feel like over time I've uh, practiced each one of them over the past. I think right now I'm at a year and a half in the role. Mm -hmm. So um, definitely the two-day course through Scrum Alliance and um, taking the advanced certified Scrum Master course through Scrum Alliance, those have both helped Tremendously, and I often reference those books,
0: <laughs> yes.
1: especially in the beginning.
0: Yeah, it's 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 very helpful um, reading some of those, um, the Great Skull Master, and some of these other books to kind of get that knowledge of what to expect. Because um, there is a sometimes you can only learn so much in the class and then hearing from other people's experience kind of help build and prepare you for what you may, you know, end up facing yourself.
1: It really does. Yeah, and and having a great agile coach like yourself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now even just made me blush.
1: <laughs> that was extremely instrumental to our growth in our, our Scrum Master role.
0: So, what were some of the things going through getting that whole coaching and having me come in? What were some of the things that helped increase your skill set or help made you better or or were some of the things that that I did that you think you know what it wasn't as helpful um and maybe I could probably do less just to kind of get insight for myself
1: okay let's see the Mm, The one takeaway that was the strongest impression was um, definitely, I I remember, I vividly remember our conversations about active listening Mm -hmm. and how to practice it and taking the time to even practice it outside of the work environment. And... Mm -hmm. When you were practicing the the frameworks, the coaching frameworks, like mm-hmm. Oscar, for example, O S K A R, was it?
0: Yep, you got Did it.
1: Did you spell that right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, those were extremely instrumental because I could feel you coaching me in a direction that helped me build a strengths where I wanted to go and how to take action on those practices that I wanted to improve on. So that definitely was very impressionable on me. Oh, I don't think I could think of one thing that I would say to like. <laughs> didn't help me at all.
0: <laughs> That's good. That means I did my job right.
1: Yes, yes you did. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of anything. And when you're learning, it just, you just absorb everything. So, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't really have constructive oh. feedback for that.
0: It's, it's not a problem. It's not a problem. <laughs> but um, that learning part is, is going to be key. In fact, even to this day, um, I'm still learning from other Agile coaches. I'm learning from newly um, minted Scrum Masters. I mean, I even learned a great deal from you. Um, oh, that's I cool. Whether recognize it as not. Um, but you have to be in that constant learning mode. Right. And, and that active listening really helps set you um, in that Learning mode, because you're you're wanting to absorb so much and then process uh, um, oftentimes we find the old style old style of management, old style of leadership. people come in, guns blazing in they just want to speak and, and uh, direct. Um, but there's so much value in, you know, listening and and, and before you make a decision, before you make comments. Um, so it's, 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 I'm glad you were able to pick up that. I'm glad I was able to help um, encourage you to um, add that to your weaponry.
1: And <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking, too, it, it needs to be... Um, you know, active listening is is extremely important now that we don't have that face-to-face time with each other now. So our teams and pretty much a good majority of the company is working remotely until next year. So Mm -hmm. it's important to be doing lots of listening and also paying attention to The tone that others have to make sure things are going okay. Right. So, yeah, it's been pretty important.
0: Yes. um, One of the things that I've been doing with some teams that I've been working with during this time period uh, is virtual war room sessions. Um, And a few of them were at first very reluctant because they're like, hey, what is this war room and why are you asking us to be on a zoom call or on a Microsoft teams call for a two hour time block? Okay. And, you know, so right then and there, they're, they're, they're at that guard, you know, they're like, all right, do you not trust us? What, what's, what is this about? Um, but what it is, is allowing Um, uh, interactive video it's it's not even the video part it's really just the audio part because if you can imagine how teams were before the whole COVID um, at least centralized located teams Mm -hmm. um, you can focus doing your work and then automatically hear people in the background talking about something and it may interest you or they may be presenting something and you You know, you overhear and you want to share your input. Um, So that was something that started with Teams probably back in June of this year, um, just to kind of help that communication, help getting them used to um, interacting while virtually um, meeting. Um, It's still a work in progress. I think there's a good deal of people who are, a uh, very like, nah, I don't want to do this. This is, this is weird. Like we're on a call and nobody say nothing until, you know, for two minutes and then everybody just goes silent. So.
1: So uh, is, is what I'm hearing a virtual war room? Cause this is, I feel like it's new to me and I'm, I'm curious. Is a virtual war room, a place where the team gets together and just, you, you know, sits on the phone and, Hopefully they'll start collaborating on the call. yes, okay, well, yeah. that's cool,
0: yeah, you know and and it's it has its great moments. Um, uh-huh. I know one developer was um, speaking to the p o um, and you know just wanted to demo something and get feedback
1: uh-huh.
0: and others had chimed in. And it was like, yo, that's really cool. Can you commit that code? Because I want to use it in this other location. That will really help me out.
1: Oh, nice.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, imagine if we just had chat, you know, if they just messaged each other this, then everybody else would not be involved because they wouldn't have overheard it. Great. Um, And... (sighs) Right now, those chat sessions in, in, in Teams or um, Skype, it's sometimes mm-hmm. as bad as email. You know, people, if the screen's not up or if it keeps popping up, then it becomes a nuisance and nobody wants to see it. Uh, right. But just hearing the, the audio, um, you know, it, it allows people to kind of stay focused what they're doing but once they hear certain key words like, you know, this code allows for um, ease of use and it could be uh, it's just a template stuff that we can put in different areas, you know, those things can, can really attract other people and start more conversations going on. So, yeah, feel free to try it.
1: Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. It's it's I like that idea. You
0: have to figure out new things. Um and again, this is something that someone else has suggested to me and I tried out. Um uh-huh. but you know, when when things happen like this, this whole COVID thing, you gotta get creative as much as possible.
1: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I love it.
0: Creative as much as possible. So That's
1: a great idea.
0: I know that you guys have been doing SAFE for quite a bit of time now. Right. So how is that coming along?
1: I would say that, you know, it, it feels like Agile continues to be embraced in the SAFE model, and we're experiencing some new changes right now. So I can tell we're growing, and I feel is something – better than what we were. Mm -hmm. Uh, One example is that we had one release train engineer, Mm -hmm. also called an RTE. Um, So one release train engineer for 14 different scrum teams, and that wasn't working. We weren't getting impediments removed fast enough. Right. Um, That's a lot for any one person to handle, it doesn't matter who that person is, right? <laughs>
0: exactly. No, it's that's it's a strain. You know, we, we oftentimes uh if you have to share a scrum master then, you know, anywhere between two to three teams. And you talking about a release training engineer among mm-hmm. fourteen teams, that's that's very much an overload.
1: And not to mention that the majority of uh program members understand what an RTE is. It was never fully explained to us what the expectations are of them. So I kind of feel like um, expectations of an RTE are coming and they also split our program into three different groups now. So um, each each group, I I guess from what I understand, because I wasn't trained in safe, um, we have uh, three different trains and three new RTEs, mm-hmm. and so that should help. You know, they'll have a, a lighter Scrum team caseload, <laughs> so to speak, and uh, we'll report up to them, who will then bubble up any impediments as is, is needed. So. I, I'm already finding benefit in it because I had okay. one impediment come up today and I was like, I'm going to get this out the, out the door as soon as possible.
0: <laughs> so. see, that's the type of stuff that comes from experimenting and trying, you guys finding the right measure, the right level of, okay, how many uh, teams are going to be in this value stream? How many RTEs going to be responsible for you know a certain amount of value streams? so it's it's good that you guys are experimenting that and the biggest thing that i um that i'm hearing is you have the the rtd that you're reporting to that your team is working in that value stream um you're being provided the right amount of support
1: yes
0: and see that's Oftentimes we think, okay, well, as a scrum master, you're supposed to handle all the impediments. Well, <laughs> so sometimes you run into impediments that even a scrum master can't handle. So yeah. and they have to, you have to be able to raise it up to somebody that can help support you. So it's, it's good to, to know that they've um, made sure that you have the right amount of support.
1: Yeah, it helps. it helps a lot our company is pretty big. Uh, they, we're not all doing scrum or practicing it. So, you know, we still have a lot of old mindsets, a lot of boundaries to go through, uh, things like that. They can slow us down. So, uh, being able to, to have a point of contact that can reach out and encourage, uh, speed of a dependency to get removed mm. from another team <laughs> it's beneficial
0: <laughs> no, that's, that's so. huge that's huge so what would be some key advice that you would provide to anyone looking to transition from any current role to this type of servant leader
1: so I would encourage research in expectations in the role Mm. um the hardest part is from my observations of myself and of those around me is servant leadership because we've been in a world of you know just telling people you know how to do their job where it's now the opposite the team should be telling us how they can get the job done. Um, so that's really hard. And it takes a lot of self-awareness to, to practice. Um, I've also found that having the scrum values memorized mm-hmm. and the pillars of scrum memorized and leaning into them in my personal life and my work life is is, is, makes a a tremendous difference um they're they're so healthy i would i would encourage everyone to uh, practice the pillars and and our scrum values even before trying to be a scrum master
0: that's that's a huge that statement in fact um I kind of got a warm, fuzzy feeling when you said how healthy it is because I, I recognize that. Um, and I don't think most people realize that even outside of, you know, a work, that these principles can be very beneficial in, in anything that you're doing. It doesn't have yep. to be tied to software development. It doesn't have to be related to work, just work or any type of um, uh, process. It, it it um it can be used in other areas.
1: It sure can. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much where you start with your teams to try to get them to open up and um be respectful and commit to change, right? hmm So leaning into those has been instrumental in kicking off the Scrum Master role and um, helping development teams grow as
0: well. Yeah. it's a lot of patience in that. Um, again, I, I think... Uh, you were definitely blessed. I mean, I'm, I know that you still had challenges. Um,
1: yes. <laughs> but
0: you, you did not have to face too much of the pushback or the people not wanting to change. Um, in fact, I, I think when I was there with you, some of your team members, they loved the fact that they were kind of in control or... Or provided ownership of having the discussion of what they need to do, or having the ability to decide of how they were going to work and develop.
1: Yes. Mm.
0: And a lot of that stuff we want we, we want them to we we. It's important for them to have equity in what they're building. And I think when we approach it from an Agile, uh, with, with an Agile mindset, it helps give them that equity. Um, and, um, right. yeah, so it's, it's huge. See, it, it's, it's moments when we have these conversations that I miss.
1: I know, we had really good conversations. Yeah. <laughs> I did face some challenges, too. Um, ah. If anyone ever wants to explore um, with limits and scrum, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the adoption of the practice <laughs> is a, is a yeah. challenge. <laughs>
0: yeah. You, you, you know, it, it's, everybody just want to keep on piling in and not realize, oh, We have a bottleneck here. Maybe we should put a limit of how many things are in progress.
1: Right. So wrapping around the idea of um, encouraging the team to start less and finish more and see more work get done earlier in the sprint, I feel was more rewarding. Like once they saw it and started practicing it, but initially it was like, Really, three have (laughs) to. I highly advise against it. So it it took several tries to um, encourage them to want to try a whip limit. So you know, you started by using them into like, okay, so four developer team. How about six? Right? (laughs) Dropped it down a a few from there, and so.
0: And and it's. (laughs) <laughs> it's helping them understand that look there's there's a certain amount of stories that we can just go through, and we're we're working as a team, we need to be able to validate that code has been done right you know Correct. there has to be a certain amount of code reviews and then p o and if we just flood the board with all these works, then you know we. We'll have a bottleneck and 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 have to figure out how to get those things through, but if we limit you know and we can always i always encourage start small and then slowly increment yeah oh that, yeah. that has always been the best bet <laughs> but that that is hilarious, that is hilarious
1: yeah, you would have had fun watching that one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: See, I probably would have just let them, no, oh, okay, all right. You guys ready for change yet? No? Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, you know, for me, one of the things I like is data, um, whether we're using yeah. Jira or Raleigh or anything like that. Um, when we do our retrospectives, just look like, guys, what do, what does the data say to us? right. You know, um, oftentimes I hear people say, well, what's your best guess or give me an estimate. Um, but when you have, Hey, this is, this is our work history. This is our experience. Now, not saying that we should write it in stone, but this is evidence. What can be done. Um, and it can be a powerful tool, um, sometimes but yeah
1: I agree
0: you guys have a, a great bunch together um, I know that one of the things <clears throat> that y'all were working on was getting developers to do a little bit more testing um, and I think there was probably some pushback have you been able to figure out how to resolve that or where are you guys staying with that? Do you still have testers on your teams?
1: Yes. Okay. We still do have that testing SME on the team. And it never hurts to have a second eye mm-hmm. on um, the work and they have a specific focus, right? Um, so And the team has picked up a tremendous amount of testing effort on their own. They also come together and collaborate with our testing SME um, after code has been developed. And they do, like, the risk-based testing at that point. And they'll say, hey, this feels good or or it doesn't. Go ahead you know, move it to the next step. Um, Or they find a bug and say, oh, you not done yet. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so um, that has been working really well, um, but yeah, in terms of defects and quality, we're still needling through how to how to get better at at quality. So,
0: it's
1: yeah. a well. delicate balance, I think.
0: <laughs> it it is it's a very delicate balance and the, the biggest thing with that is it's a continuous journey correct so you guys keep keep chugging along keep adjusting keep experimenting keep trying different things um and find out what works for y'all because every team is going to be different i know i know that was one of the issues that um, management wanted every team to be the same or to do the same or have the same story point committing and velocity um, but as a scrum master, you have to recognize what your team is capable of and help um, push them at a pace that 's sustainable for them so and I think right. that you really do well with protecting them and to help them. Uh, improve their process improve not just the process but but who they who they are so
1: right thank you
0: no problem i'm very happy uh stacy i think you've um you've already were at a point but you've come even further and i think that you've probably even gone further since the last time that we actually had a one-on-one so keep it up yeah yeah
1: thanks i tend to push a lot of boundaries. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's not fun if we're not pushing boundaries.
1: Yep, gotta gotta grow somehow. So, and once you're comfortable, you have to figure out how to get uncomfortable again to grow. So,
0: that is a quote I'm going to have to use.
1: Okay, <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is a powerful quote I'm going to have to use. Thanks, John. Thank you. Thanks for listening to An Agile Mindset. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show and leave a rating or review. We love your feedback. To hear more episodes of An Agile Mindset, visit Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, or SoundCloud, or head to perimeterdesigns.com slash podcast.